1: BFM 89.9 The Business Station Welcome to Cruise Control The Car Show Here on BFM My name is Rich Bradbury I'm joined by the fantastic people Of Arif Ruse. He's the man with the news Say hello Arif Hello Richard And Daniel Fernandez He's the man with the website DSF.my Say hello Daniel Hello everybody And selamat berbuka puasa Wow So very nice of him Now, as usual, we have a show in three parts. We're gonna be kicking it off with a little bit of news as per usual. Then we are moving into some car stuff because you know, that's what we do, some car launches. And then we're gonna wrap up with a car review. It's a, uh, it's a Landy. We'll be talking all about that very shortly. Arif, now you've just broken your fast. How are you feeling? What are you talking about?
2: The worst part about fasting it's not sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired. But uh, yeah, you know, just broken my fast. Is doing great. Um, huh. Somebody else who's doing great is Hertz. You like that segue?
1: Yeah, that was very good. Yes. Sounds, <laughs> good.
2: Well, Sounds well, good. Well done. <laughs> well done.
1: Give, give him a break, uh, uh, Daniel. He's had no sleep. Let's just let him have that one.
0: Okay, okay.
2: okay. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, so Hertz. Maybe about a year ago, we uh, spoke about Hertz going bankrupt. Mm-hmm. They were Immediately bought up by a bunch of investors who shed all of their debt and then supplied them with 5.9 billion dollars in capital. And in 2021, uh, we reported that they placed an order for 100 thousand. Tesla's and how that drove up Tesla's price stocks and then Daniel made a comment and then we got in trouble and then mm. the rest is history <laughs>
0: it's always me it's always me <laughs> it is always you but it's
2: okay you know we do live, right. live a little bit of spice in our life right
0: correct mm. correct, correct that's why we eat Indian food okay anyway mm-hmm. yeah
2: mm. anyway recently in fact as recent as a couple of days ago they've announced that on top of the 100,000 Tesla's that they're going to buy uh in the next five years they're also going to buy sixty five thousand Polestar cars. Jing Jang Jang. Not sure what that will do about like the rental car business and you know their sort of strategy because you know when you get into a rental car you don't really know where you're going, right? Uh I don't know. I don't know. It it depends. I mean,
1: if they're looking at rental cars for people who are getting into the city, perhaps doing business there, they know they're going from one office to the other office. But if we're talking about people who land in Langkawi and they go, hey, where are we going to go today? Different market, different segmentation.
0: It's a very good move for North America and Europe, simply because there is backup for Polestar, Tesla, there's backup for all these fancy new electric cars. But if you're talking about Polestar and Tesla, there is no backup here. There is no official representation here. That is why currently you see some Teslas giving problems. Some Polestars stuck for almost a month because they can't be they can't be driven. So mm. if they're going to do it here, I think they got to do it with electric cars that are currently on sale by the manufacturers. For example, the Mercedes EQA, Nissan Leaf uh, and the Volvo XC40. I think the rest, I think is just... A little bit of a pipe dream right now for our part of the country, Mm -hmm. our part of the world, sorry.
2: Uh, Speaking of our part of the world, yesterday, we got some interesting news from the evening edition, our friends from the evening edition, who reported that Mm -hmm. Malaysia is ranked Eighth in the world's most stressful countries to drive in.
1: This wasn't from April first, was it? This this was actually yesterday.
2: Pretty precarious, uh, you know, day to launch a report such as this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can check that podcast out where they have a discussion about it. But let's get the cruise control uh, perspective here because I've got some statistics. You can you know reply in however you want. You can laugh, giggle, gasp. Giggle. Okay, we wait, giggle.
1: Wait, wait. Just before we, we get into these uh, air quote statistics, where where do these statistics come from? Do we know?
2: Uh, I admit, you know, it comes from a website or, or rather a car buying selling sort of platform. <laughs> the website is called Confuse.com. Oh,
1: conf- confused, sorry, Confuse.com. They are the uh, first UK insurance comparison site. Oh, are they? So they, they compare 120 car insurance providers. So, generally, the data is fairly accurate, I,
2: I would hope. Let's see what we think about these statistics, right? The first one is, in terms of congestion, Malaysia has 91.5 cars per kilometer of road. Oh, my word. It's a lot, but it apparently is not nearly as much as a lot of the other countries. As mentioned, Malaysia is the eighth most stressful country to be driving in in the world, giving us a rating of about 72 out of 100, and apparently... Italy and Belgium are worse places to drive than in Malaysia. And I, I, I can agree with that. Belgium's quite, you know, they've got some pretty tight, narrow streets and Italy's just kind of all over the place. Mm-hmm. So we can agree with that. But something that I don't think we can agree on is quality of road infrastructure. They've rated us at 72.4 out of 100, which is very good, I guess. But when you compare it to the other countries, Confuse.com thinks that we have better roads than the UK Germany, and Sweden.
0: Actually, they're not wrong because you know why? They're confused.
2: (laughs) Uh I think what they mean is
1: we've got more roads than the UK, Germany, and Sweden. Maybe Maybe
0: if if they meant that, then I would find this to be a believable statistic. Also, you know, Richard, I'm I'm sure you will understand what I'm saying now. They probably went and reviewed the roads in UK, which are in small towns. You know, UK and Germany, they have cobblestone roads. Mm Mm-hmm. Those old pre-war, pre-19th century roads. Uh-huh. And then they, they said, you know, those are bad compared to, you know, our potholes and our speed bumps. Of course <laughs> I mean, it is. Yeah,
1: you, you, you might not be wrong, actually. I mean, my hometown in the town center is all cobbles, for sure.
0: Exactly. Exa- it's, it's got yeah. its charm, but it's just, yeah. you know, it, it's for it's
1: for cuts. The difference is, though, Daniel, that was built in the 1200s, you know, yeah. and they get updated regularly. We have roads here that were built yesterday and have potholes in
0: <laughs> yes, because they're trying to compete with the with the cobblestone roads in UK and Germany.
2: Ah, I got it. They're trying to get
0: that quaint feeling, you know. Yeah, Understand. I guess
2: every country's rose needs their selling point, right? In exactly. Malaysia, we gotta experience the size of the potholes.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, uh-huh. it's a tourist, it's a tourist attraction.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Even that, or it's a swimming pool, you know.
2: Yeah, I mean that's the reason why a lot of Singaporeans come over, right?
0: Exactly, especially those who have, you know, Singaporeans who <laughs> drive SUVs and and, and uh, pickup trucks and big uh-huh. large vehicles, they like to come here because they they unable to test yeah suspension and tires and and wading depth and everything else in singapore you know that's a very good point i had yeah i hadn't seen i hadn't yes. thought about that before yes. yeah. And, you know, yeah you know you pay so much in singapore for these cars and you're yeah. running on extremely smooth tarmac like like a roller skating derby so what's the point right yeah exactly <laughs> you know exactly.
1: there's no wonder suvs do so well here in malaysia you know it, exactly, it's because you're exactly. off-road when you're on road yeah yeah
0: and that's a selling point
1: it is <laughs> now it all makes sense you see yeah. i'm 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 starting to get it.
0: Yeah, if this wasn't the case, all of us will be driving low-slung, low-rider. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't yeah. make sense. How long have we been doing this show, Arif? Four years.
1: Now I understand why SUVs <laughs> are so popular. Finally. <laughs> finally. It's finally clicked.
0: I mean, you <laughs> were it. complaining about the roads around your neighborhood because oh, you don't would, understand.
2: Yes.
1: Ah, yeah, yeah. I don't understand.
0: Yes, yes. <laughs> anyway.
2: Yeah. Back to the show. (laughs) We're still going to be talking about highways and roads, I guess, because um, I guess one of the big stories of the week was um, that the government announced that they would be hitting the pause button on toll hikes on Klang Valley highways. This is something that we've been reporting ever since the previous government, the previous two governments actually now, um, you know, where they wanted to try and solve this problem. And apparently at this time it will, I mean, restructuring the toll concessions uh, will cost the government about 4.3 billion ringers. But as I've said, heard this so many times over the years. Um, mm-hmm. What does all of this actually mean? Daniel, you, your thoughts?
0: Well... You know, I think as long as there is no hike in the toll rate, let's not complain.
1: That's fair enough.
0: Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter who's running it because you know why? We can't control all this. Mm. This is too high level. And, you know, as long as they promise no hike in toll rates, I'm okay with this because I know the cost of everything is going up. You know, labor, Mm. cost of materials, raw materials to maintain uh, road infrastructure. So why not?
2: There's been uh, a lot of worry from uh, the public, I guess. The the people who run the highways will obviously want something back. And this could Mm -hmm. mean, you know, an extension of the concession period from, say, 40 years to 60 years. And that could be quite a big thing in the long run for the government, I think. A
1: very big thing. Sorry, not just a little thing, a very big thing. Yeah. How long does it take to pay for a road? Just, you know, asking for a friend. And the upkeep, I should add on, you know.
0: current roads that are around my area probably about... Two dollars a meter, you know, two ringgit a meter to maintain maybe about twenty nine ringgit a meter. You know, I'm, I'm just joking, guys. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know this. Just know? for a second there. Just for a second, Daniel. <laughs> How would I know this? You know?
1: Yeah, I mean, exactly. How long is a piece of string? Right. And and, and that's yeah. the thing. It's, it's hot. I'm not going to say anything because it will get us in trouble. But, <laughs> you know, these kind of things, the contracts behind this, it's unlikely we're ever going to see the contracts, is it? So, you know.
2: Or the talks that they're having right now, the lack of transparency, obviously. So,
1: yeah, what to do? Like Daniel says, just, just grin and bear it. Okay, thank you. No rises. Great. Wonderful.
2: Anyway, um, we've got some pretty big uh, discussion to get through, um, particularly because on April 1st, the borders reopen. And as we've hinted just now, they always come here to experience our potholes. <laughs> Nothing more. <laughs> So, um, but in all seriousness, you know, it was a big problem last week because um, we, uh, you know, there were flocks of motorbikes that set off at midnight and within the same day, there were already pictures of a lot of Singaporeans filling up at our petrol stations to save quite a bit of money with even one person jacking up his Corolla on one end to get every last drop of fuel inside his (laughs) tank.
1: I'm sorry. Sorry.
2: Don't do that. That That doesn't make any difference to your car, honestly. But I guess it's quite reasonable for them to do. Is obviously they're going to do that because I checked the prices in terms of fuels uh, compared to Singapore. And last week Daniel mentioned this a little bit about how cheap our fuel is in the global market. Um, so for Singaporeans, our RON 95, which is two at five cents, they come over here and fill it up. That's sixty six Singaporean cents per liter, while our RON 97, which is almost four bucks. Uh, to them, it's only a dollar twenty-six in Singapore. ron ninety-five is about three Singapore dollars a liter, whereas their ninety-eight is about three fifty a liter. So, yeah, it's, I mean, they're saving a lot of money, aren't they? Yeah, <laughs> they are. They are. I honestly didn't know that there was a law in place where uh, foreigners couldn't fill up ron ninety-five in Malaysia.
0: Oh, that law has been around for a long time. It also applies to Thai nationals because why? In Thailand, also fuel is cheaper. So on subsidized mm. fuel. Uh, both sides, they are not allowed to fill up, you know? Mm. We have a
1: similar issue in the UK, but it's not related to fuel for your cars. It's related for um, fuel for your body, kind of. Mm. That makes <laughs> sense. Um, it, it's a, a drink, a beverage. It's an alcoholic beverage. So what happens is... Because alcohol is is fairly expensive in the UK, in some places, what a lot of people were doing was heading over to France, by (laughs) buying their alcohol there, and then bringing it back to the UK, which isn't technically illegal, depending on how much you bring back. This is not a new thing, is it? I mean, people have been doing this kind of thing for years, you know?
0: Yes. And you know, the petrol station owners can be fined heavily for allowing this, but most of the time, petrol stations in Malaysia, the owners are not sitting there because they're almost millionaires. Mm. So most of them basically will have staff sitting there. And the staff are not going to come out and check every single car that's filling up. Because last time when you had attendants at petrol stations... Mm-hmm. They will tell you, sorry, you can't fill up your Singapore registered car or a Thai registered car. But the last few years, we don't have attendance anymore. You just swipe your credit card and you just fill up yourself. So there's someone sitting in the counter at the back. They can't actually see who is filling up or what registration number.
1: So what 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 is the rule then? I mean, let's say you've driven up from Singapore and obviously you're up in KL. You, you're going to need to add some fuel to your car, obviously.
0: You can add Ron 97. Because RON 97 is not fully subsidized, so you can add RON 97 or RON 100 at some selected petrol stations.
1: Got it. Got it. Got
0: it. RON 95 is heavily subsidized, so you cannot fill up with RON 95. If you're a foreign Ah, state number, sorry, you could be a Malaysian even driving a Singaporean car. The fact that it's a Singapore registered car, sorry, you cannot fill up with RON 95.
2: Got it. What about diesel?
0: Diesel, it's hard to stop because why? You don't have two different types of diesel, you just got one subsidy. But in Singapore, there's not many diesel cars running. Of course, commercial vehicles, they are. But, you know, most of the commercial vehicles don't come over to Malaysia. And the Malaysian vehicles that go over there are delivering goods and services. So, it's fine. What Mm. about
1: if you're filling a petrol can?
0: Well, if you're filling a petrol can, no one can stop you because you're not having a registered car next to you, you see? Yeah. Yeah, but how much can you fill in a petrol can? Depends uh, how many petrol cans you're carrying. Yeah, exactly. So, (laughs) now, when the Singaporeans (laughs) do this, I'm thinking to myself, okay, you're saving money. But, you know... Just buy a cheaper car. Buy a lower CC car. Like Mm -hmm. there was one guy caught filling up his Toyota Estima 2.4 and his whole back was wet. You know, the the back of his T-shirt in the picture. We ran that picture. And it's quite funny because I'm thinking to myself, you haven't even used your (laughs) aircon. For your whole T-shirt to be wet, you know, the big mark there, you know, that means you're not even using your aircon. Then why are you driving a Toyota Estima? Go and buy Mm -hmm. yourself one small little compact car, you know? Well, there you go. Exactly.
1: Okay, let's take a short break. It's all getting very heavy. Ladies and gents, we're going to take a short break here on Cruise Control. Um, If you're only just joining us, you've just missed the first part of the show. Um, We've been talking about Hertz's EV expansion. Driving in Malaysia is so stressful. Uh, No toll hikes in the Klang Valley and borders reopening. Uh, We'll be moving on in just a few moments to some car launches. We've got a Volvo and we've got a Cherry and we have a Lotus. All exciting stuff. Don't go anywhere. Uh, This is Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM 89.
0: Because Freedom Matters BFM 89.9
1: DFM 89.9, The Business Station. My name is Rich Bradbury. This is Cruise Control. I'm joined, as usual, by my friends on the phone lines. I've got Arif Ruse, the man with the news. Say hello, Arif.
2: Hello, everybody.
1: And Daniel Fernandez from dsf.my. Welcome back, Daniel.
0: Thank you, and selamat vrpukkabasa, everyone.
1: <laughs> He's so good at that. You should be doing, like, radio adverts for, you know, dates and things.
2: I am doing that. Ah. Maybe he's been the Yusuf Tayo guy. You
0: no, I, 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 I do it for the Indian Radio National Channel. Oh, do you? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Interesting. Anyway, enough of that. Um, he is moonlighting on other radio stations. Uh, w- what car launches have we got? Uh,
2: first off, we have to congratulate Daniel, don't we? Hey, thank you, thank you, thank you, no. thank you. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. No. I'll take
0: my award later.
2: Yeah, because he guessed the price of the Volvo XC40 recharge correctly—not totally correctly, but very close. What what did did he say? What did he say? I think it was—I think you said it was two fifty-eight, wasn't it?
0: Correct. I said two fifty-eight thereabouts. So they Uh launched it at two sixty-two. Four thousand ringgit difference.
1: Okay, not bad,
2: not bad. All right. But you know, I got
0: I got the Hyundai Ionic Five pricing right on the money—one nine nine, and it's one nine nine.
2: I feel like you should get on a game show, Daniel.
0: I know I'm already on a game show in uh, Malawi. <laughs> <laughs> anyway,
2: 262,000 ringgit is the price for the Volvo XC40 all electric recharge. That's 21,000 ringgit more than the petrol and 3,000 ringgit more than the plug-in hybrid version which offers up a bit of a interesting decision. Do you want to go long range or are you going to be, you know, staying around in the city? Mm-hmm. But this XC40, as mentioned in previous shows, it kicks off a massive journey for Volvo to have 75% of their sales in Malaysia to be electric vehicles by 2025, as well as exporting this XC40 to the rest of the ASEAN region. So very, 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 very big deal uh, for Volvo. Indeed. Speaking of the ASEAN region... We have news from this Chinese brand called Cherry, don't we, Daniel?
0: Yes, and uh, you might not know this. Cherry used to be in Malaysia. Yes, yes, they used to be in Malaysia. They had a, a facility in uh, PJ Section Thirteen, is an industrial area uh, behind the Dutch Lady uh, factory. Oh, I remember seeing these matches, Yeah. Yes, and they sold a car called the Cherry Alado, mm-hmm. which was an absolute fabulous failure, <laughs> <laughs> and they. <laughs> I mean, that car was so bad. I remember test driving it in my early days in this job. And and I had to send it back after a few hours. I said, you know, (laughs) I'm worried that the car will literally, no jokes, literally fall apart. The trim was all just rattling. Oh, no. And, you know, so many things didn't work. And then, soon after they launched an MPV called the Cherry E-Star and the cherry star was actually based on an old mitsubishi platform and mpv which did not actually come here it was it sold few numbers here it was called a mitsubishi step wagon or something like that and they did quite well with that because at that time there was a growing need for for compact seven seater mpvs and the only other rivals were basically the honda stream and the toyota wish which were much more expensive mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the cherry sold quite well. But what happened is, a lot of complaints started coming back because there were a lot of failures. But not with the engine, because it was a Mitsubishi-based engine. But everything else was failing. And then they had a lot of stock sitting at Section 13. And one day, they decided, we're going to exit. We're going to close shop. We're going to say bye-bye to Malaysia. But they still had a lot of this stock, including some commercial vehicles. Yeah. So what happened is, a, a Malaysian businessman who's in the grey market business from Johor, bought out their entire stock for like 20 cents on the dollar, cleaned up these vehicles and resold them for 50 cents on the dollar. What? Yes. So you suddenly had like maybe about four, five years ago, a whole bunch of these e-stars running around southern Malaysia, Mm -hmm. but no after sales, no warranty. Just cars just cars actually you know in terms of running the cars not a big issue because like i said mitsubishi engine but it's with the trim electronics uh, little you know comfort features that that will fail but you know for someone who's on a tight budget who doesn't want a cheap and cheerful proton exora mm-hmm. the mpv makes a lot of sense but now now cherry has rebuilt their position in china they are no longer uh, you know, platform sharing or substandard car manufacturer, they are on top of their game in China.
1: You might say that the cherry has ripened.
0: Ooh, ooh <laughs> nice one, Richard. Gosh. So, Cherry has been teasing us media for the last three months with press releases about what they're doing around the world, but not in ASEAN. So, we suspected that they were making a play to come back into ASEAN. And then they launched at the Indonesian Motor Show a couple of vehicles and followed with news of doing local assembly for Indonesia and the region.
2: That's a pretty
0: big deal because
2: like you said, Cherry is no longer nobody, right? They're very big in China. And if we look at the Omoda five, which is their newest car,
0: yes. it looks really good. It looks good. It looks stylish. If you look at the interior, it's ooh, it's up there with, with the Japanese and the Koreans. Yeah. I can't say the Europeans yet because I've not had a touch and feel point, but I'm talking about looks is great. Um, I heard that Australia is buying up these cars by the hundreds. And the order banks in in like the Middle East and, and other countries has risen very high. So Cherry is back. The only problem is, actually not a problem, the only negative point is a lot of, Malaysian people are saying, oh, why didn't they do assembly in Malaysia? Why they're not doing, you know, why not building a factory here? Fact. We are already facing a shortage of workers in Mm -hmm, our factories. mm -hmm. We are already having problems trying to get parts and everything else within our factories. And our total vehicle cost of production has gone up. Mm. So for any car company right now, Indonesia seems like a better bet for ASEAN because why? Mm -hmm. Huge labor force. Yeah. there's no more corruption as much as, as before and they're helping you know investors come in you know Hyundai has gone and opened a factory there so many others are gone battery companies are opening factories there for electric cars so it just makes sense for Cherry to go there now the next biggest thing is because it's going to be built I mean assembled and built in Indonesia it's definitely coming to Malaysia in the very short term Yeah. now the only problem is can they compete with the Geely Proton push you know Mm-hmm. because Geely and Proton have the national car status. They can price their products much better because they pay lower tax. Now, Cherry will have to pay after tax, so they'll not get that preferential incentive. So this could be the little bit of competition that we need in our market. But you see, if all this happens the way we say it's going to happen, you're also going to see traditional brands that have invested heavily in factories here mm-hmm. slowly scaling down. hmm which is not good for the market also. But never mind, we'll wait and see what happens.
2: Anyway, mm. uh, just now we spoke a little bit about Geely. So now we're going to speak about one of Geely's cars. Not a Geely though, it's a Lotus. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Over the last week, they, they launched this new SUV called the Lotus Eletra. And uh, let's just get a few thoughts on what this car is and what it looks like. Yeah, can we go with what it looks like first? Yeah,
1: sure. Uh, I, I think I, I sent it to you. Was it last week, Arif, or over the weekend, yeah. or something? Uh, scrolling through my Instagram page, I'm like, "Oh, what's that? It's so ugly." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my first impression of it, um, but I don't know. I mean, the, the more I've kind of looked at it, the more it's kind of grown on me a little bit. Um, it reminds me of some kind of transformer, kind of vehicle, um, yeah. or even a Tonka toy. Yeah, I, I don't know. There's something odd about the styling of it. But
0: this thing looks enormous. Daniel, any thoughts on the looks? I'm going to say this and I'm going to say this. You heard it here first. This is going to make the Lamborghini Urus go into retirement. Ooh. I think it just
2: has a bit more pizzazz about it than the Lamborghini. The Lamborghini just kind of looks like, you know, I stuck a Lamborghini body on, a, on an SUV, but this, <laughs> it doesn't even look like a Lotus, does it?
0: Exactly. And I think Like Richard, I'm not taken completely by the looks. I Mm. think it's an age thing, you know because me and richard are moving on Don't to senior citizens and <laughs> you keep putting me in
1: the same category
0: as you come on <laughs> you know whereas arif is still a young adult you know so he's he's got different viewpoints but sorry to say this richard i think you know for us maybe we're more into like you know bentley rolls royce jaguar
1: yeah you know the, the thing is though i mean i i have this fondness for like future facing cars you know cars that look as though they they belong you know, ten years in the future, fifteen years in the future. This doesn't give me that vibe. The, the rear end of it kind of does, but there's just something—I don't know—unnerving about the front. It just—I don't know There's just something about it. Okay, so I'm going to ask you this: When you saw the Urus, did you like it? Not at all. Do you know
0: what it reminded me of, honestly?
1: What? Um,
0: a fat proton Satria. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I can I can go with you on that. But you see, the thing is, it sells so well, and if you look at the ownership, it's actually a lot of old guys like us. <laughs> 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 who want to feel young you know
1: but i mean it, it's it's not a cool lamborghini at all is it exactly. let's be honest exactly. it's not. but
0: that's how it rolls you know so i think this is going to sell very well and it's going to put the urus you know unless lamborghini comes out with a brand new urus that looks even even more daring than this but meanwhile hmm. with the lotus badge and what they're doing and how they're you know they've got an office in malaysia hmm. yeah So, they got an office in Malaysia. I've I've already spoken to them, asking them whether this guy is coming in. They said, well, just wait for the announcement. So, I'm sure it's going to come in. It's going to sell beautifully well. And we're going to see it on the road. And you'll see... The guys driving it mm, will mm. be older than us.
1: Mm. I mean, I, I don't doubt that. I, and I think it depends on what color it is. I mean, I, right. the, the, the typical Lotus yellow doesn't really do it for me. But I think you know, if
0: it were available in black, then maybe, you know. Yeah. Because it hides all those unusual <laughs> Correct. <lines. Yeah>. Correct. <laughs> yes.
2: You know, it's it's interesting, Rich, that you mentioned the Tonka truck thing. Because mm. when you said that, it just immediately threw me back Twenty years yeah. when we were walking around Toys R Us, and you got uh-huh. your first Donker. It looked like some kind of some sort of like bastardized version of an SUV that already mm-hmm. existed, right? Yeah. And those are yeah. the sort of things that you get in those. But um just a little bit of uh, details: the name Lotus Eletra. Uh, don't know how to say it in Hungarian, but it is a Hungarian word or term for coming to life, and this. Signifies truly a new era for Lotus. Like Daniel said, they're making an SUV. They're doing exactly what Porsche did with the Cayenne. They're doing exactly what Lamborghini did with the Euros, and they're doing exactly what Ferrari is going to do with their new SUV, which is equally as horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> but everybody will, will buy one. Um, but anyway, you know they've already launched the, their sports car that we love, the Emira. They've launched the supercar, the Evija, which is. Both, you know, spectacular cars, and they've received huge praise for them. But um, this Eletra really signifies, uh, hence the name, how the company intends to change its fortunes from a struggling Norwich-based, super-niche sports car manufacturer into a global sports car brand. And as mentioned, you know, this car is massive. This Eletra is Different. It's Lotus's first five-door production car, their first non-sports car. And they say, um, you know, last week how Daniel wanted to uh, recategorize the V60. This is another example of a car manufacturer just throwing some names out there because apparently this is the world's first electric hyper SUV. What's a hyper SUV?
0: They just made it up. <laughs>
2: they just right. it up. <laughs> I mean, but, uh, I,
1: just sorry, just just to look at the front of this thing again, it it, it does have the front grille from the Avia, uh, doesn't it? Yeah, that's uh, okay. All and right, it's
0: got the it. lights from the Lincoln Co. And if you look at the site profile, it's a Lincoln Co. O three site profile almost. Yeah. The
2: reason why I guess it it all looks similar to the Lincoln Co. Is because it's probably a Lincoln Co. Chassis. Probably. Um, that's, probably. They say the tech stuff, all the tech stuff inside comes from China. The EV powertrain itself comes from Sweden. So I'm guessing Polestar stuff. And the tuning and testing is in their new facility from Germany. And as Richard pointed out just now, this is one massive SUV. It's range rover size. Can you imagine a Lotus that is 5.1 meters in length and 2.2 meters wide? That's bigger than a 7 Series. Oh my word. How heavy is this thing? Um, Remember that ethos that they had at lightness? Yeah, yeah. Nah this is this is expected to be. I mean they didn't really reveal any figures but I did a bit of digging and it's 2.5 tons apparently. What? <laughs> <laughs> add lightness huh? But you know electric wow. cars
0: are all heavy because of the batteries. Yeah. So yeah. as you as you add range you you add You know, wait. Uh,
2: The battery, though, is very, very substantial because um, it's an 800-volt architecture, this car. So it will charge faster. You know, the the powertrain will be more efficient. The battery will be more efficient. But I think this is one of the largest batteries due to come out in a motor vehicle these days. Mm. Over 100 kilowatt-hour battery. Whereas, for example, BMW iX or BMW i4, that's... 65 to 75 kilowatt hours battery and this gets you 600 kilometers of range super duper fast charger will get you about 400 kilometers of range in just 20 minutes which is hyper impressive i'd say hyper suv impressive Mm, mm. Um, it's got all-wheel drive multi-link air suspension a minimum of 600 horsepower and a sprint in under three seconds apparently deliveries start in 2023 with china europe and the u.s so malaysian buyers 2024 i guess Sit on your hands and wait, mate. Yep.
0: All I want to say is 15 years from now, maybe 16 years from now, you know, sales have already gone through the roof and they've sold a lot. I just want to buy all those, you know, dead batteries Mm. and stand them up and make a wall around my house. (laughs) Okay, then. Moving swiftly along.
2: (laughs) Um, We've got another car, another very, very interesting car that I think excites Car enthusiasts all over I know, the world. I,
1: I, I'm, I'm just trying to digest Daniel Trump's messaging there.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to move swiftly along. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Anyway, carry on, carry on. But, uh, you know, last year Toyota took the world by storm when they released the GR Yaris. It was really the talk of the town, talk yes. of the world, talk of oh, the Oh, you two love this thing. Mm. You two
0: loved it. Um, have you driven it, Daniel? I have driven it. I love it. But it's such a funny looking design. Basically, a hamster. Yes, but this Corolla is the way it should look. I haven't even introduced it yet, Daniel. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry.
2: <laughs> but Can yeah, you guess G- what we're talking about next, folks? Like, have a guess. <laughs> Thanks, Daniel. <laughs> but the GR Yaris, you know, was a small two-door hatch, looked like a hamster, 1.6-liter turbo three-cylinder, 260 horsepower, six-speed manual, all-wheel drive. Looked and drove like a modern WRC car, apparently. And as Daniel teased, this is the Toyota GR Corolla. And Toyota is basically responding to how well the Yaris was received. And they see the potential with the branding and everything. And they've decided to take a European version of the Corolla and stick all of the Yaris bits into it including the all-wheel drive system, the powertrain, which had its internals beefed up to get a total of 300 horsepower from a three-cylinder engine, which is absolutely insane. They've reinforced the chassis, new suspension, and it's bound to take the world by storm. You know, there's talk about Toyota GR Gazoo Racing going through that entire Toyota range, and imagine, you know, Toyota 4Runner GR. It's very, very exciting.
0: This is the hot edge that will worry the A35, the Golf R, these are the cars that will be worried if this car arrives in Malaysia. And it will arrive. Rumor has it, it will arrive and it will be about 330 to 340. You heard it here first. Hmm. I just
2: love the fact that this car really looks like a touring car. Just look at that flared Mm -hmm. arches.
0: That's, you know, that's that's a big bottom. (laughs) And I'm not going to call it a hot hatch. I'm going to call it a hyper hatch. (laughs) <laughs>
2: um, you know, the whole world is very excited about this car. But, and, and you know, as I mentioned, that uh, there has been talk about Toyota looking to expand their Gazoo Racing division to make more cars like these. But they have apparently said that they're going to keep these cars as limited production because they're quote unquote special. These will be one of those cars that in 15 years' time, people will still be clinging on to them. And if they want to sell it, you're going to have to fork out a million ringgit. It's just going to be like that.
1: Crikey, O'Reilly. I do like the look of this thing. It looks, yeah, aggressive and mean.
2: Yeah, I want one. Yeah.
1: Right. Is it time for a break? Yes, it is. Uh, We're going to come back with something a little bit more refined after these uh, short messages. We'll be coming back with a uh, Land Rover Defender P400 here on Cruise Control, the car show, here on BFM 89.9.
0: Frustrated Minds, BFM 89.9.
1: BFM 89.9, the business station. This is Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM. I don't know who that fellow was who just uh, outroed the uh, previous section, of course, when we were speaking about the Toyota GR Corolla. Uh, we've got something a little bit different. Um, after that, uh, we're speaking about a Land Rover Defender P400. Somebody um,
0: got to do a test drive, didn't they? Somebody got a lot of fun out of this, no? Hmm. <laughs> Okay, so I got the Land Rover Defender for... Hang
1: on a minute. Shall we just get all the British jokes out of the way first?
0: No, no no British jokes because you know why? It is owned by Tata. Ah, there we go. There okay. we go. So <laughs> <laughs> I got to get the Land Rover Defender P400, which is the top version on sale in Malaysia right now mm-hmm. for an, for a 24-hour test drive, just one whole day and night. Uh, reason is because the car is sold out. This Defender is sold out in Malaysia There is a 9 to 11 months waiting list.
2: Wow. So you didn't manage to go bush bashing?
0: Yes, I didn't do any bush bashing. It was all in the city. I got it in the morning. I went around as much as possible. Then I went out at night also. Then I had to sleep. So I had to put it to rest. Then in the morning, I went out again. I did quite a bit of mileage on it. I managed to even get two friends to test drive it. one is a, an experienced person who's driven a lot of cars in his previous job. Another guy who's actually a bit of a Range Rover fan and who's always said, oh, Land Rover is not for me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, I can understand that because when Land Rovers were built, there was something for the common man. People like mm-hmm. me and Arif, you know, the common man, you know? Hey, hey! <laughs> I said common man. So, bro. So, they were utilitarian. You know, I mean, over the over 67 years of the, the original Defender, I think there were like maybe six, seven dozen variants that came out. All kinds of shapes mm-hmm. and sizes and engines and whatever. Now, over the years, I've test driven many older Defenders, even heavily modified ones that came from UK. I, I don't know if you heard of this company called Khan KHN. Mm, yes. They rebuild Defenders. They use big engines they use american powerful engines they also use a lot of uh, sound deadening and you know refinement and everything else but no matter what they do it's still a defender you know it's still a classic defender it's seating position is just out the steering is wig you know the handling is mm, okay it gets better as you as you spend money on it but it's never really there and then you have range rover <sighs> range <laughs> rover and you know range rovers drive Beautifully when they're new, you know. After a few years, then if maintenance is not looked after. Of course, there will be problems. But Range Rovers are just so nice to be in. So when I got this Defender, I said mm. they've they've done some improvements to the looks. It's bigger, it's chunkier inside. Got a bit of tech. They've you know killed more cows to cover the interior. That's fine. But after more than an hour, about less than two hours with the Defender, just driving around KL, I went into traffic. I fell in love with this vehicle. I have to say this word. I fell in love with this vehicle simply because it is no longer a Defender. It is a Range Rover. Uh-huh. Have h- How much of it
1: is based on the the kind of uh, the, the James Bond version of the Defender?
0: Okay. I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know what they did in that movie where the Toyota beat them. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. But this Defender drives, feels exactly like a new Range Rover. And whoever who sat in the car with me, whether it was my family or it was friends, they were all taken. They said, this is a Range Rover. This is not a Defender. The ride comfort, the seating comfort, the way the cabin has been designed, the, the, the simplicity of the cabin, the touch and feel points, everything feels premium, feels, you know, one one or two classes above the class act competitors you know i mean if you take this defender and put it side by side with anything less than 500,000 ringgit sorry you have not done a good job even if you put it next to a bmw x7 or a mercedes gle the top the top mercedes or even mm-hmm. an audi q8 this defender has moved the game up and here's the best part before you ask me any questions, this defender is the base for the next Range Rover, which is arriving in a few months' time.
2: Pretty substantial, but there is one thought with all of this, right? The fact that it's I mean more Range Rover than Land Rover. It's you know it just kind of makes it a bit more Cheshire, I guess.
0: Well, you know whether whether it's Sloan Square or Cheshire or Bayswater, all that doesn't matter because why? It's very clear that the company is no longer looking at selling a utility vehicle. The company is no longer looking at looking at people like me or URF to buy this vehicle. They are looking mm. at the Uber rich, the rich rich who have it as a second or third vehicle just to do errands, or you know, if they really want to go out station or do a little bit of fishing or a little bit of camping just to feel like a local. No, this is a this is a high quality. Luxury SUV, you know, there is no Mm. doubt about it. And if you, if you, you know, like even the sound system, the Meridian sound system was my word, superb, superb. I happened to just put on, you know, BFM, of course, Mm. and I was listening to Richard's crisp, clear, well appointed voice on the radio and I was saying, my word. This man sounds good. <laughs> I'll pay
1: you afterwards, all right? I'll pay you afterwards. Good,
0: good. Uh, I only accept checks. Eh? Okay, okay, now, I even took my family out. I took my two boys out. You know, not often do they want to come out with me on a test car because they've got things to do. But I said, you know, let's just go for a short drive. They said, okay. We went for a short drive. That short drive became a three-hour drive around the whole of Klang Valley in a bit. Wow. Wow. Because they were enjoying the comfort, the sound system, the whole reaction from people around you, because this car also creates a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe it's new, it's big, it's expensive, and people have talked about it. But can you imagine, even Range Rover owners were looking at us, you know, mm. and saying, hey, how, go huh?
1: Yeah, <laughs> you got a spare one.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah.
2: you okay, see, the thing yeah. is
0: now, I can see Range Rover owners actually buying this as their second vehicle. Ooh.
2: I think it suits the Malaysian persona more than a Range Rover does. Yes.
0: And I can understand why it's on wait list. Not because, you know, there are too many rich people in Malaysia. I can just see a lot of people who walked into the Jaguar Land Rover showroom to probably buy a Range Rover, which is slightly more, and then said, hey, I might as well just get this. Hmm. Or someone who walked in to buy a Vela for slightly less and said, "Yeah, hey, I might as so well pay more and get this. You know what I mean? Hmm. So this is how this Defender has just changed the whole mindset. And it's no longer... I mean, you can't put it... I mean, I I did take a picture of it side by side with the last generation Classic Defender. And, you know, it's too different. It's just way out there different, you know? This this model's got a 3-litre petrol-turbo Ingenium engine with a mild hybrid working uh, 8-speed gearbox. It's got 400 brake horsepower, 400, 550 newton-meters of torque. The power delivery is smooth, it's silky, you know, you don't feel any shifts at all. And then, you know, 0 to 100 in 6 seconds. And we tried it so many times just to see the fun in the, the acceleration against other cars, you know, on traffic lights. I mean, I was impressed. I was really impressed. Uh, everybody, I think, looked at it and said, is it worth the money? And now, if you drive it, you say, yes, it's worth the money. So this model, the top of the range, comes in at 998 thousand ringgit just shy of one million ringgit so this is what i'm going to say if you're already thinking of buying say a bentley bentiaga or you know uh aston martin dbx which are you know much more luxurious avant-garde design they've got you know Mm -hmm. heritage behind behind the names and all that i'm not saying don't just take this defender out for a test drive and then think again you know Ooh.
1: That's a glowing review, and I think the most excited I've heard you in weeks.
0: Yes, because, because you know, it's 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 not often that we get a new car that has moved the goalposts by a huge margin. You know what I mean? Mm, mm. Small moves. It's difficult, excited, because, oh, okay, it's got new lights, it's got new wheels, oh, updated suspension. Oh, the infotainment has been upgraded a bit. Oh, it's slightly bigger here. Oh, it's slightly taller. <laughs> you know, that doesn't really, you know, rattle our cage. But this one, woo rattle away you know
1: nice 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 good stuff well glowing review there of the uh, new land rover defender p400 from daniel thanks very much daniel you're most welcome um Time for us to wrap up, though, here on uh, Cruise Control for this week, folks. If you're only just joining us, it has been a show in three parts. We started off with news about Hertz's EV expansion. Driving in Malaysia is stressful. No joke or no surprise there. No toll hikes in the Klang Valley for any time soon. That's not a joke. That's real news as well. And the borders reopened and we complained about Singaporeans filling up their petrol.
2: And, and enjoying our potholes.
1: And enjoying our potholes, of course. And Richard had the revelation about why SUVs are so popular, <laughs> yeah. here finally, in Malaysia. And then, of course, we had uh, the car launches. We had Cherry. We had the Lotus Electra. And then the Toyota GR Corolla. Wrapping up there, of course, with that car review. And if you dis did miss any part of this show, don't forget you can download the podcast wherever you normally download it from. We recommend the BFM app. It's available on the App Store or Google Play. My name is Rich Bradbury. And on behalf of Arif... And, Daniel, this has been Cruise Control on BFM 89.9.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.